Hey guys, before I started Midlife Mail, I didn't realize how much we as men try to do it all ourselves. And while there's value in autonomy and being able to figure things out for ourselves, we can also save a ton of time, years in fact, and countless hours of emotional pain, stress, anxiety, and feeling like crap if we will just receive some help. That's why I have decided to open up a few one-on-one coaching spots. In my 90-day coaching, I will personally help you through the six F's model and bring the focus back to what matters most. Family, fitness, finance, food, fashion, and fun. This is for you if you're tired all the time, you're anxious, stressed, and feeling weighed down physically, emotionally, and financially. You're not eating well, sleeping well, or performing well. You're not feeling, looking, and acting your best. Or perhaps you're doing all of these things, but you're redlining it all the time. Everything appears great on the outside, but on the inside, you know the engine's going to blow soon. I know this from firsthand experience, and I've had my fair share of challenges as well. I have lost my father in my teens. I have experienced the imprisonment of my brother. I have struggled with weight, alcohol, hair loss, body image, anxiety, financial strain. And at 48 now, I have regained my health, have become a top athlete. I have transitioned from risk taker to risk manager. I have failed and I have succeeded. I have been the guy who complained. I've been the guy who had all the answers. I've been the guy who tried being an entrepreneur. I've spent years working for a big company. I have been fat. I have been fit. I have great hair. I am now completely bald. I have had no money and I have had millions. And when I sit back and think about it, there are so many times that I wish I had someone to help me shed a light on what matters most and how to get more of that. But most of all, to help me see what I couldn't see, to share insight and experience on what I've already done, and to help me with what I want to do. So if you're hearing this and it speaks to you, and you want to learn more about working with me, send me an email, greg at midlifemail.com. Hey guys, Greg Scheinman here with you, Midlife Mail Podcast time. It is another season of the podcast, and thanks to you guys, we continue to grow the Midlife Mail movement. Kicking off this season, I have Bobby Maximus joining me on the pod. Listen, I want to get right into the podcast. I always want to get right into it. And some of these pods that are out here, you got to sit through like 15 minutes worth of ads, commercials, promos, everything before you get to the guests themselves. So I want to hustle through this, get right to Bobby Maximus today because he is awesome and it is honor and a privilege to have him on the pod. But I got to quickly tell you guys, please head on over to midlifemail.com forward slash partners. I have incredible brand partners who without them producing this show and keeping the midlife male movement growing would not be possible. Roan, Inside Tracker, Sunlight and Saunas, Athletic Greens, Huron, Strong Coffee, VRB Labs, 
tremendous supporters of the program and all products and brands that I use every day and are Midlife Mail approved. So please head on over to midlifemail.com forward slash partners to support all of them. All right, now let's get into it. We got Bobby Maximus on the show today. Bobby Maximus is a guy that I follow on Instagram. I followed his training programs. Every damn day is what he is all about. He is a UFC vet. He is a men's health best-selling author and writer. He is a jiu-jitsu world master champ. He is an actor. He is a total personality. Bobby is as real as it gets in his philosophy, in his life, in his core beliefs. Bobby is the man, and he was gracious enough to come on the podcast and kick it with me, and I think you guys are going to get a ton out of this episode because he shoots straight, delivers the message. He's an expert at what he does every damn day. He's a husband, he is a father, he is a fitness, not only enthusiast, an expert. He's got one of the most fantastic diets I have ever witnessed in terms of consumption and his focus on quality foods that he puts into his body and the manner in which he just does everything. How you do one thing is how you do everything. And that really comes across in our conversation and how he practices what he preaches every damn day. So let's get after it on the Midlife Mail podcast with the man himself, Bobby fucking Maximus. Bobby Maximus, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate this. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. When I saw that on the calendar, you accepted the invitation and it actually said, so I guess it's okay because it literally showed up as Bobby fucking Maximus has accepted. My actual legal full name now. <laughs> like seriously? No, not seriously. It's, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to ever, we're going to pretend my government name doesn't exist. So there you go. I mean, I wouldn't put it past you, but there, but, but there you go. Um, hey, I, I want to jump right in um, and ask you this, keeper of authenticity. It's right there on your IG tagline. What does authenticity mean to you? To me, it's just being true to yourself. I mean, really, you know, everyone's allowed their own truth. You see it today in politics. You see it today in the media. You see it with actors. You see it with people training. You see it in marriages. You see it with friendships. Authenticity is being true to yourself. And what I've noticed is, there's a lot of people that believe one thing one day and they believe another thing the next day and they don't go together in the same sense. Mm-hmm. I'll, give you an ex- I'll give you an example with that. I don't give a shit what you believe about COVID. You're entitled to your opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion. This guy over here on the right, he's entitled to his opinion. This guy on the left is entitled to his opinion. But if you're really left-leaning, you believe that you're the sole governor of your body and a woman has the right to choose. You also believe that you have to get held down and get the vaccine, that you don't own your own body. Those two things can't coexist in the same universe. Now, if you're on the right, you believe that women shouldn't have a right to choose and you believe that they shouldn't be in control of their own body. But at the same time, 
you believe that hell no, no one can tell you to take a vaccine, that you're in control of your own body. So there's just all kinds of cognitive dissonance there. And I can respect anyone's opinion as long as they're pretty, you know, consistent across the board. It's when you get these inconsistencies that I have an issue and that's what authenticity is. And so there are certain people who I love in, in social media, I may not like their opinion, but it's consistent across the board. So I love who they are. Mm, love that. I right, dial your volume down just a tiny bit. You're popping. I'll fix that later. Thank you. Try that. So how do you maintain being the keeper of authenticity? And, and what do you focus on to make sure, again, that you are living authentically for yourself? So the first thing, I call myself the keeper of authenticity because usually I'm the one to call people out and say, that just doesn't make sense. You can't post about this one day and post about this next thing on, on Tuesday or Wednesday, if you see what I mean. Now, I don't, I'm not a troll. I'm not just going to go in your comments and let you have it. But there are a lot of friends that if I caught you doing it, I would do it to you. I would be like, you know, Greg, I don't know if you realized how hypocritical this looks, but maybe you should examine it. And I'd send you a private message and do it above board, face to face, like an authentic person would. So I like to think that I like to call people out. And that's a big like part of my coaching style. Mm. You can't expect to lose weight when you're drinking soda every day. And I'm not going to tell you that it's okay. I'm just going to tell you the flat out truth. And it's actually, it's, it's the perfect segue because the next thing I had on here when I was thinking about speaking to you was like, you call bullshit out on people as, as good as anybody out there, you know, really the people that come at you, you know, the things that you observe and that you see, you know, and again, the way, the way you well, approach it. Here's, here's a good example. You see the Simone Biles thing that happened. Mm-hmm. So there were a bunch of people who I follow on social media that were ripping her for being a quitter. These were the same people that the month before were all over mental health month and saying that you need to take care of your mental health. You don't get to do that. Mm. You don't get to choose when and how another person takes care of their mental health. If you're preaching that, you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. That's where I want to call people out. And there's so much bullshit on the internet where people say one thing one day, one thing the next. I'm just, I just get so tired of it. <laughs> what are the most, when you, you mentioned your coaching and your, and your coaching style, and obviously your training style, and we'll get, we'll get into that. Um, on some of that, the excuses that you hear, you know, the reasons for not doing things that you hear. And specifically, you know, I mean, we both work with a lot of men, you know, and a lot of guys that may need some help or want to do things. And we're all juggling the same the same shit. I mean, look, I just saw your son walking through the through the background. You got your Norma Tech boots on right now. I mean, we're doing it. We got families. We got finance. We got fitness. We got food and nutrition. We got all this stuff, you know, to juggle. We all got the same stuff. What are the excuses that you hear the most? Are the reasons for not committing, you know, to to working with you? Well, I'll, I'll say this: I've heard every excuse in the book. But what it really comes down to is there's one person responsible for your success and failure, and that's you. And excuses are just a function of the fact that you're unable or unwilling to blame yourself. So at the end of the day, the truth is you were lazy, you didn't want to do it, or you didn't value it enough. Value, I think, is an um, underutilized construct when having this talk. 
the reason you don't work out is because you just don't get enough value from it. If you got, hold on one second. Yes, yes buddy. Uh, no, you got to go play in the other room because I'm in a podcast, fella. Okay, will you be quiet? Okay, this is my little guy. But just as an example, and I'll tie this into the podcast, my little guy's in the background. I'm a dad. Uh, my wife works from noon to eight or noon to six, depending on the day of the week it is. So I'm actually with the kids the bulk of the time. That's mm -hmm. the reality. I still have to get my stuff done. I could blame the kids like other people do. I could blame time. I could blame equipment. I could blame but I still manage to fit my stuff in because I value it. Now, when I talk about value, I could be on the cover of Men's Health in a month. I could have a photo shoot in a month. I get paid by some companies to do what I do. And they're not paying me to have a gut that hangs over my pants. I'm paid to be fit. So because I value stuff like this, I make time for it and I do it. If mm -hmm. I didn't value it, I wouldn't do it. Let's talk about your podcast. If you were making millions of dollars off it, you would value it more and you would do it a lot more. Like there's a reason Joe Rogan, what's he on? Like podcast 9,000 right now? Because, something like that. Spotify right? backed the truck up, gave him a ton of money and, and yeah. boom, there you go. But it's because he values it. There's some value proposition that's coming, whether it's money, whether it's intrinsic. I mean, it doesn't matter. There's a value proposition there. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely. But if go he on. didn't value it, there's no way he would have the mental stamina to sustain the amount of podcasts he's putting out. Mm -hmm. And by the way, value can be fun, just so we're clear. You just have to value it. And then that's where I was going. This is, you know, when you talk about values, you know, we all have mul we have multiple values. Mm -hmm. Yes, but priority values. Values are different than value. Mm-hmm. Values are your morality, if you will. You value being a good parent. You value the church. You value being a faithful husband. What I'm, when I'm talking about value, I'm talking about what you get from it. Mm -hmm. The unapologetic, decisive manner in which you speak, okay, this charisma, this power that you've got, where has this all come from? Like, were you always like this? You know, did this develop over time? You ever, you ever see grumpy old men? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I think as I've gotten older, I've just gotten more curmudgeon -y. Like I just don't care anymore. You know, in your 20s, you're so wrapped up with what other people say, what other people think. And I think I got to a point in the last couple of years, I just don't care anymore. If you don't mm -hmm. like me, that's not my, I, I don't live my life to impress you. And so I think I stopped caring was the biggest thing. Where did you put that then? All the care, or if we did care about that stuff before, where does the care go now? Uh, it goes into things that I value. And so it goes into things that are important to me or friends that are important to me. You know, I, 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 and, and I think it has less to do with caring and more to do with inner self-confidence, which I think you develop as you get older. Not everyone develops it, but I think a lot of people do where you start, you know, focusing on what really matters and caring less about all the noise. I just don't have the time to. So, you know, in my twenties, if someone put a negative comment on my Instagram, well, Instagram wasn't a thing in my twenties, but you understand what I mean. My, my AOL messenger, my ICQ, my, you know, Facebook, whatever it was, 
it would have crushed me now. It's, it just doesn't bother me. Mm. Big circle or small circle? I mean, you have big, huge following okay, out there. So I think a lot of people think they know you, you know, overall, but do you have a big circle, small circle of friends? Do you like doing things out in public or easier kind of in, in by Instagram, like by yourself? You know what I mean? Nah, man, I hate people. I, uh, I don't mean that. I say that jokingly that I'm a misanthrope and I despise humanity. Um, and I can understand how a lot of people feel that way, by the way, right now. And it's totally fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's more of a small circle. I'd rather put my energy and time into two or three really close people than have 30 friends that aren't real friends. I think the word friend is thrown around way too much. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I would, I would just in passing say, oh yeah, Greg's my friend. Have we ate together? Have you helped me move? Were you there in a crisis? Was I there for you? Like that definition of friend, it's starting to erode real fast. Now, could we be Instagram friends, business friends, acquaintances? Sure. But if you're going to talk about circles and friends, I have a very small, tight circle. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's a great differentiator, you know, to be able to to look at things that way because you're back to all these things being connected, you know, how much time you have, where your priorities are, what you value again, where your values are. It's in, it's impossible. It's not stay impossible, but you can't say yes to everybody. We can't have all these quote unquote close friends, you know, or these deeper relationships. And I think be able to accomplish the, all the things that we, we want to accomplish. Correct. Well, especially too, if you've got multiple things going on, like I've got to do podcasts today. I've got to do my Instagram and, and what I don't use that term lightly. I have to do my Instagram. It's my damn job. I get paid on this stuff. Like it's, it's funny. We we're having this talk. It's a little off topic, but somebody was asking me why they weren't monetizing off Instagram. I said, well, pull up your little screen time thing. How much time did you spend on Instagram last week? They said three hours. I said, well, how much time do you spend Bobby? 24 that's a job. You do it as a hobby. I do it as a job. That's why I get paid. You mm-hmm. understand what I mean? So you've got, you got Instagram, you've got podcasts. I've got to train. I've got to go to jujitsu. I've got to watch kids. I've got to clean the house and hold that down because I'm the one that's home in the day. I don't have a lot of time to be screwing around. So if I want to talk to you, it better be meaningful or I want to put effort into something that I can grow and nurture, not just have random talks with people just for the sake of having random talks with people. Yeah. And I, I certainly appreciate that. And it makes, it makes perfect sense. You can look at these things. You can look at guys like yourself. You can look at a lot of people out there and it looks easy in a way. Anything that looks easy is really hard. Okay? That's really actually happening. The time, the energy, it's a job. It's a draining, knock down, drag out, you know, task to create content that moves people. Yes. That really connects and resonates. I remember the first time, like, I was following Mark Magna. I don't know if you know Mark down at, at a great at, guy, by the way. Super. I started following Mark. I don't know who turned, turned me on and I'm watching him go through his workout in the morning. And it really stru- struck me when I got to Miami, I went to Anatomy, and there he was, you know? Like, actually, what you see, and there's not a lot of people, you know, what you really see is actually what you get. You know, when you can find some of those people in that category that practice what they preach, that you actually look, if I showed up here, guess what? That guy is there. 
yep. you know, putting in the work, doing it every, doing it every day, not standing in front of a car he doesn't own, no. or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But even even that, I want to I want to touch on that point for a second. That's not authentic, standing in front of a car that you don't own. But let's not discount the hard work it takes to do that. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you went and sourced a place, rented the car, drove it to a location, changed your outfit, pulled up on a private jet you rented for two hours. It's never leaving the ground. Had nine wardrobe changes. Like you put a lot of effort into your craft. If you want to call it a craft, I won't discount. I'll discount the authenticity of that, but not the hard work behind it. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing. People like to rip on these people. Do you know how much effort and work they put into what they do? I think it just depends on what what's the end game. What do you want? If that's yeah. the image you're putting out and that's your craft and you are trying to monetize that and do all the hard work, I, I get that point. May right. not be for me, may not be for you. Certainly difficult to watch five or 10 different people and try to emulate five or 10 different lives. I think that's what people get caught up in a lot. You can't do everybody. You can't live pieces of everybody else's life in your own each day. Hard to keep up with that. For sure. For sure. But at, at the same token, you also can't watch 10 TV shows. See, I just look at Instagram as various channels. And I either like the Greg channel or I don't like the Greg channel. End of story. Now, mm. I don't like it. Great. There's a million people that do. And, and, and that's just the game. But I, I look at Instagram from a different place right now. I look at the hard work people are putting in or the work they're not putting in. And there is a certain craftsmanship that goes into it. Do you use quality photos? Is there storyboarding? Did you plan? How much effort are you putting into stuff? I reference the Kardashian sisters a lot on this. People can run their mouth. They can talk shit. They can whatever. There was a point, I think it was about 12 years ago, there was an article I saw where Kim Kardashian was worth $4 million. Fast forward 12 years, she's worth like $1.2 billion. You cannot discount the hard work she's put into what she does, the effort, the outfits, the, it takes real work. I think that's what it comes down to. I think you, you nailed it right there. You can respect and you can appreciate the work. It may not be the work you want to do. It may well, not no, be. I, I, I can look at it and I can learn from it. And by the way, those, there's like five of them, Kylie, Kendall, <laughs> Chloe, Courtney, Kim, they've all went from worth a million, worth 3 million, worth 4 million. I think each one of them collectively is worth over a billion dollars or close to a billion dollars. That's incredible. And and that didn't just happen by accident because they were pretty. There's lots of pretty girls. They actually put a lot of work into what they do. And I, so that's the lesson to people is like, you can think it's easy, but man, you got to work at this all day. I mean, even when you came to Salt Lake, you got to decide what to post, what not to post, where to eat, where not to eat, what stories you want to tell, what stories you don't want to tell. People don't think like that, you know? But I think that was the best chicken, one of the best chicken sandwiches I've ever had. Man, I wasn't lying. <laughs> you, were, you were not lying. You, you mentioned a couple of things I want to know on that. One, what does your schedule actually look like each day? Take me through, what is a Maximus day? All right, so- I want to preface this by saying most days I live the same life. I like regularity. I like my routine. It makes me feel comfortable. Call me boring. Call me whatever. I just, I like it. Probably a product of being older too. 
These days I'm waking up at somewhere between 5.45 and 6.30. I realize that's a big range, but I don't wake up to an alarm clock. I've tried to plan my life where I don't have to. Now, are there days I have to? Sure, but we're talking like once a month, once every two months. So I wake up and it's always the same. I uh, take my first form supplements right off the bat. I have some collagen and some carnitine. And I like like a nice fruity flavored drink in the morning before I touch my coffee, before I do anything else. So I make my icy drink and then I sit down and I do programming for people. I've got a private mentor uh, mentorship group. Uh, I call it a mentorship group. Some people call it a mastermind, but where I work with people high level one-on-one. So I wake up and I do my programming. It's usually quiet. Kids are in bed. The wife's in bed and I can get to work. Uh, About seven o'clock, I make myself a shake and that's my breakfast these days. And it's got either some coconut oil or some butter or some ghee, some coffee, some protein. Uh, There's a product from First Form called Ignition, which is like a carb replacement. Uh, It helps pick me up for my workout a little bit. And then I will sit that while I get my stuff packed for the day, put my clothes on, pack my bag, make sure my headphones are charged, all the things to set up for my workout. I hop in the car at 7.30 and then I drive to the gym and from 7.30 to 8, I do calls. And one of the reasons I do that, and I'm not just trying to bore you with all these like minute details, it's just everything's planned to be able to function at a high level. When I'm in the car, I can't do emails. I can't do my programming on the computer. I can't do video editing. So it ends up being dead time unless I take a phone call, then I can kill two birds with one stone and it makes it a valuable use of my time. So if you ever want to talk to me on the phone, 7.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, that's the time you get because that's what works. Because otherwise, I have to take a call when I'm at home, which eats into my podcasting time. It eats into my parenting time. You understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. Structure. Yeah. From 8 till 10, I do weights at the gym and I train other people. So I've set my gym up in a, in, in a bit different of a way. I've got about 25 to 30 members at the Maximus Gym. They pay a monthly fee. I send them their workouts by email every Sunday for the week. They all have a key. So if you want to have access to me, I will be there from 8 to 10 a.m. You can come in and work out during that time. You can have question and answer with me. And it ends up being a club because we're all working out together but you have access to me to ask questions. What weight should I use? Things like that. So I try to double my time up, if that makes sense. I train with my people and I think it's important to lead by example. My wife is there in the afternoon from four to six and they can have the same kind of service with her. And then the rest of the day they can come and go. But anyway, I'm there from eight to 10. From 10 to 11, I do jujitsu. Then uh, usually I pick my four-year-old up from school. And in that block, jujitsu ends somewhere between 11 and 1130. I pick him up at noon. So again, I can do calls. I can post. I can use that time to kind of do stuff. Uh, Usually I have another shake at that point. Same thing as the morning. Get home. Uh, Lisa leaves. I relieve her. I take the kids. uh, Put the baby to bed at 1230 sharp. Then I can do a podcast with you. 
or I can be in the sauna or do an Instagram live or do some emails. I kind of just have an open-ended afternoon in that regard to, to make that fit. More often than not, though, part of that includes a sauna because I need to recover. And then uh, the baby wakes up about 2.30. And then from 2.30 till about 7 at night, it's dad time. I play with the kids. I try to do stuff that I can include them in. Do you have kids, Greg? I do. I've got two boys, uh, 18 and 14. Okay, so much older than mine, but think back to when they were little. It's so funny that cleaning becomes a chore when we're older because my kids love to help. Like you give them a broom to play with. You, you know, give them some rags to play with. They throw stuff in the laundry and I'm pretty easygoing with it. So sometimes I'm like, hey, guys, let's play a game. Who can empty the bucket fastest into the laundry? And they throw it in and they have fun, but it's kind of open-ended. If I want to play video games, I can play video games. If I want to hang out with them, I can hang out with them. If they're playing like a puzzle, I might be able to squeeze some work in, but I don't stress it. You understand what I mean? I've got kind of this open-ended. That's like the part for me that's open-ended. Sometimes I get Instagram done. Sometimes I can't. Uh, We'll go to jujitsu depending on the night of the week. And then uh, I put him to bed at 7.15 and then I do my second workout of the day and crush it. And then I am back in the sauna, usually somewhere between 8.15 and 9. And then I have a meal and go to bed. And that's pretty much like it doesn't stray much from that base schedule. And then if I want to have fun, I want to go to a movie, I want to hang out with friends. Uh, you know, I want to go to my kids' football games, stuff like that. That five-hour block I have in the afternoon that's uh, – maybe that moves to the night. Maybe that moves to the morning depending what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Look, it's got, it, it's got its structure, but it's got its flexibility you know, in there. Where, and, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say – and, and so you allow for that. You know What, what I think is so important and, and what kind of gets overlooked sometimes is that Scheduling open space, the concept of scheduling flex time and open space is so important. Now, you're not filling every minute, but you know where your open space is. You, therefore, you know where your flexibility is and then where you can be flexible or inflexible. Yeah. What people get caught doing is I don't think multitasking is a bad thing inherently. I think it can be a very powerful thing. Like when I drive and I'm on the phone. That's a good form of multitasking. The bad form of multitasking is when you're trying to spend time with your kids, do a podcast, send emails and Instagram all at the same time, and you don't do anything well. So if you just were to take away all the words I use to describe my schedule, all I'm doing is something I call, and I I teach people, I work with this on a corporate level, putting my time into buckets. So in the morning when I wake up, when it's programming time, I'm not on my phone. I'm not on the Instagram. I'm not trying to watch sports. I'm not, I am programming. And when you do that, it's amazing how much you can get done and how productive you are. Just like this podcast right now, I am podcasting. I'm not doing all kinds of other stuff, but I'm multitasking. I'm in the Norm Tech boots. My kids are around, but where the planning becomes important is I make sure I plan my podcast for when the baby's in bed. I make sure I plan it at a time of the day where I can be successful. So it's also organizing your buckets to set you yourself up in a position for success. You understand what I mean? Absolutely. I'll give you another example here. My kid's playing football. He's 12. 
football practice. I can stand on the sidelines and sit there and do nothing and have a waste of time, or I can multitask. I can get my no gear workout in and watch him. I can do emails and watch him. I can Instagram. I've got choices of stuff that I can put uh, stack on top of each other to make my time productive. So that's why I'm so planned. And if you do that, the days I do that, my wife comes home, the house is spotless, the laundry's done, the kids' sheets are clean, I've done my Instagram, I've done everything I need to do. The days I veer from that plan or that I don't plan, you get nothing done. Hey guys, I want to talk to you a little bit about Sunlight and Saunas. Sunlight and Saunas, this is the brand I have in my garage. My signature series, Infrared Sauna, I love this thing. I'm in there five days a week, easy, made an incredible difference in my energy level, my recovery, overall the way I feel, sweating it all out. Sunlighten offers the best quality and most innovative light therapy solution in the world. Their customizable infrared saunas empower users to take control of their health and quality of life. That's what I did, so I just told you. From natural pain relief to anti-aging and weight loss, the benefits are endless. I own the Signature Infrared Sauna. It's the safest, most effective far infrared sauna on the market that uses solo carbon infrared technology. Clinically tested to show it lowers blood pressure and increases core temperature. Do your homework, check them out, find the sauna that is right for you. I highly recommend Sunlight and Saunas. You guys want to learn more about Sunlight and Saunas, the Midlife Mail exclusive offer go to midlifemail.com forward slash partners. You're also going to find our other Midlife Mail brand partners there. Check them out as well. Appreciate everybody's support. Thank you so much. So so much. And I'm going to try to hit a, a bunch of these bullets that I wrote down as you were talking, going, come back to that, come back to that, come back to that. First of all, you sound like a fun dad. <laughs> you sound like a fun dad to be in the house with okay, and do these things with. Speaking of, yeah, there we go. What what was your upbringing like? What was your relationship with your dad? Are you similar? Are you different? What did you learn? Uh, my dad died when I was twenty, um, so I don't have a memory of my dad being older. And I've come to realize that sometimes our childhood memories are flawed. You know what I mean? I think sometimes you can find stuff out about your parents that you didn't know was true or that you didn't remember to be true. But my memory of my dad was my dad was my best friend and always being dad's buddy. He took me everywhere. So when my dad went to play softball, I went with him. When he went to the movies with his friends, I went with him. When he went to the grocery store, I went with him. And I always remember having a lot of fun. You know what I mean? And so one of the things I've tried to incorporate with that is being a fun dad. My kids can be around when I work. They can be around when I'm at the gym, but I make it fun for them. I think a lot of parents expect their kids to behave all the time. They expect their kids to, I let them be them. Mm. Unfortunately, we have that in common. My dad passed away when I was 17. Two younger brothers. Thank you. And there, um, I like the word fun. And for a while, I shied away from the word fun. Um, because it sounded, or I thought it sounded maybe immature, you know? or you're trying to put out 
maybe in a, an, a persona or a thing. We go back to authenticity, you know, and who you are. And, you know, question the word fun. And then I flipped on that and said, it's super, super important, especially as we get older, I think. When you think about middle age, you know, I'll just come at it from middle age or I'm 40, you know, I'm 48 right now. And you think about midlife or midlife crisis and you play word association and guys say, you know, it's dull. It's the, you know, the beginning of the end, you know, it's boring, it's redundant. It's all that shit, the dad bod stuff that you were talking about the other day, which we can go on a a whole side of that. We really need to front load the fun aspect. Can I ask you a question in that regard? Who are the most successful athletes and the successful people? The people that love what they're doing. There's a fun element. I agree with you. Fun gets a bad term. People think fun is being lazy. Fun is being frivolous. No, no, no. Fun is doing what you love and enjoying it. Now let's talk about kids again because I do this in the day. If kids are bored doing something or miserable doing something, how productive are they? Zero. It's a zero. If you can turn cleaning or laundry into a game, it's shocking what they can get done. Like the amount of horsepower my 12-year-old has when he's having fun or motivated, my God, he's like an adult. Just have to make it fun for him. So that's one of the things that I've tried to take from my dad is, yeah, I have to work. I have to do stuff, but you guys are going to do it with me, but let's make it fun. It's, it's so true. And even to the extent, and especially with what we love to do, you know, fitness, you know, anything physical, you know, in a way, to, to that effect, especially with kids, uh, using fitness or using exercise as a punishment, you know, versus yep. again, you know, fun. Like the coaches, you know, or, te- or people that are supposed to be educating and teaching or coaching or doing, you know, when they turn these things that are supposed to be fun and developing healthy habits for life, you know, and getting kids try when you start using the things that we love, you know, fitness as a punishment. Like that's just one of my my hot buttons there because it's to your point. As soon as you make something fun, like they want to go, they want to play. Keep doing it. Why would I reward your bad behavior in a way by making you bigger, stronger, faster, healthier? Well, like, for sure, things right? for sure, but um. Talking about fitness, bringing your kids to the gym, you can make that a fun experience or a not fun experience for them. And if you make it a not fun experience, if you sit their ass in the corner, expect them not to make a peep, I promise you, you're not getting a good workout. And I promise you, they're not going to like it. So I'll tell you a funny story because it just happened today. I came home and there were like 18 boxes on my doorstep actually in front of my garage from Rogue. I ordered a bunch of the stackable foam boxes. I ordered two sets. People are like, why do you need two sets? One for me, it's one for the kids. Because I know when I want to use them at the gym, they're going to want to use them to make forts. So I just ordered a bunch of them. Does that make sense? So I know now my workout's not taken away. If I need the boxes, we're not fighting over them. They can have their set and play with them and build a fort and I can have mine. And it's just like a little bit of proactive thinking. I have things in the gym, like a toy room. I let them play with the weights. I don't get worried if they spill a little milk. Like I make it a fun experience and that does two things. One, it makes me more productive and allows me to do what I need to do. But two, 
it'll help them have a good relationship with exercise when they're older. That it's not some serious dark thing. That it can be fun. Yep. It gets lost a lot. Um, and it's great to hear that perspective about bringing them in, engaging, mm-hmm. breaking down barriers of, of intimidation, you know, in any way or, or fear. Um, and you think, okay, I, I want to observe and I see that and I want to do that too. And I'm encouraged and I naturally gravitate towards that. And that's, that's just natural, you know, there. Mm-hmm. And even as an adult, take it away from kids. If you have fun at my gym, when you come through the doors, you like the music. Uh, there's a couple of pretty girls. Um, you like the workout. You like the talk. You like the camaraderie. You're going to come back. If you're miserable, you're not coming back. So part of my job as a coach is to facilitate having fun. I think it's it's as simple as that. It, it really is. Um, you are one of the best eaters. I have ever seen at least at least from a distance one of the absolute all time best eaters I I have ever seen. Um, where did again? Like, how do you view nutrition? Okay, your intake, the things that you eat, the the burgers you post, the steaks, everything, the way that you have again taken control of what works for you, and it's very different from from a lot of what's out there. It's actually not that different, but people think it's different because they see what they want to see and put their own spin on it. So I basically have two rules. One, I have to eat a gram per pound of body weight of protein a day. So if I weigh 236 pounds, I got to get more than 236 grams of protein. Other than that, I don't need to count macros. Because if you eat that much protein, your macros will regulate themselves. Think about that for a second. How much do you weigh? About 175. So you need 175 grams of protein, right? You have six eggs for breakfast. There's like 50 grams. You have a 10-ounce ribeye for lunch. Pretty good lunch. 70 grams. So now you're at 120. For dinner, you have like four or five chicken thighs. There's the rest of your protein. That's a lot of food and you've eaten pretty good. You've had a delicious omelet, a steak, and some like real good chicken thighs on the Traeger. That doesn't leave a lot of room left for all the carbs and all the fat. You know what I'm saying? So if you have a protein forward diet every meal, your macros will be in balance. So that's number one. And I'm looking at that as a day, but you could look at that as a meal too. If you go and you have a big steak, you don't have room for all the other stuff. So protein forward, that's number one. Number two, 90 to 95% of the time, top shelf ingredients, top quality across the board. So that means the less human hands that have touched it, the better. No shit made in the lab, real ingredients. And you end up eating better and enjoying yourself more. So let's talk about ice cream. Real creamery ice cream, vanilla, is vanilla bean, egg yolk, cream, and cane sugar. That's what Haagen-Dazs is made from. It's delicious. It's the substandard ice cream that has all the garbage in it. And when you go to a Michelin star restaurant, do you think they're serving stuff from a package or is everything the top, best, unprocessed ingredients? It's that. So I don't even have to suffer. 
Like all I'm asking you is to eat like you would eat at a Gordon Ramsay restaurant. Just eat really good. Homemade bread tastes way better than bread from a package. You know what I mean? And so I just eat 90 to 95% of the time real stuff. And by the way, that extends to drinking. If I want to drink, I don't drink Jose Cuervo. I have Don Julio. Hey, I want to ask you about that. I want to ask your, your, your take on earn your booze a little bit there too. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, no, go ahead. Ask. I was, I was just going to say, and, and kind of, you do drink. Okay. I like the earn your booze. What's your, is it harder to recover now? You know, in your, in your forties, have things changed? As you said, if you shifted to, you know, top shelf or here's what I can do and still feel good the next morning. What's the earn your booze mean? So there's a couple of things. Uh, number one, I don't drink to get drunk. Like I don't need an escape from my life. I love my life. So if I drink, it's because of taste or the food it pairs with or enjoyment. So that's why I mentioned Don Julio and Jose Cuervo. I'd rather have Don Julio than Jose Cuervo because I really like the taste of it. Same thing, uh, you know, with like Hennessy. I'd rather have Hennessy XO or Hennessy Ellipse, which is stupid expensive, than a regular Hennessy. Like I always go the best that I can get because I'm having that one drink or two drinks to really enjoy it, not just to get shit-faced. I mean, if I just wanted to get shit-faced, I guess I would get a bottle of Listerine and try to stomach it or something like that. But you understand what I mean? Like I'm drinking for enjoyment. Number two, I'm very aware of how it affects my body. So if I drink without food, it affects me more than drinking with food. If I have three drinks, I can feel it and it affects me the next day. If I have one, I actually sleep better and feel better the next day. So I just pay attention. I don't, I think a lot of people are guilty today of just what I call indiscriminate behaviors. They do stuff and they don't even know why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. And they're not aware of how it makes them feel. And then the third thing is I don't just count alcohol. I look at the alcohol in the context of everything else. I don't smoke. I rarely get drunk. I mean, I, I can't tell you the last time I was drunk. I don't eat a lot of sugar. I don't eat a lot of garbage. So provided that I've worked out and had my sauna and done my recovery stuff, I then have earned that drink and I enjoy the hell out of it. What I don't do is just come home after a day of not training and being stressed out and eat a bag of Doritos and all the candy and the booze and just shove it down and then wonder why I feel bad the next day. So the earn it thing is like, have I done enough to really earn this? And if I have, I really enjoy it. Absolutely. You have transitioned, and if I fumble this a little bit, help maybe appreciate it, help me out. You transitioned. Did you start your, your career as a police officer and then a fighter, or was it a fighter, then a police officer, and into full-time fitness, what you do now, the career trajectory? Yep. So it was police officer, fighter, fitness? Yeah, I mean, not really. So when I got out of university, I knew I wanted to help people. 
I just had two parents that gave back all the time to circle back to the parents thing. And I kind of learned from them. They were very giving people. And so I wanted to help people somehow. We didn't have a lot of money. They help people with effort. Do you know what I mean? And so I wanted to help people. And I thought teaching might be the way. So I actually did a Bachelor of Education. I started teaching. But I found it really emotionally difficult because you get kids with shithead parents and I didn't have enough power as a teacher to really help them. Like, like I wanted to help them. And you're so restricted by the education system. I couldn't say certain things. I had to stick to the curriculum. So I decided teaching wasn't for me. Then I went into policing. And sure, I helped some people, but I wasn't able to affect change on the global scale that I wanted to. So I got out of policing. And then I kind of said, I'm going to take a chance on this exercise stuff. And I always knew that exercise could change people's lives because it changed mine. And it could make them better fathers, better mothers, better lawyers, better accountants, better sons, better daughters, better whatever. But I'm old enough, and you can probably relate to this. It's where you and I would think a lot the same. Exercise was never a real job. Like, I almost have a hard time, and I don't know if you do. People are like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a trainer. I'm an Instagrammer. I I feel like I want to give a proper answer. Like, I'm an accountant. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I drive a train. I'm a nurse. Because people of our age, that's what a real job was. Like, I, I managed to turn a hobby into a job. And so eventually, I just said, why can't I turn my love into a job? I'm just going to try and make this work. And so that's how I got into exercise. But I really look back on it. I think I've always been in the same industry of helping people. I just have found a better vehicle to do it. So I don't actually look at it as like a night and day transition. It was more of a progression. Hey guys, if you're struggling with maximizing midlife for any stage of your life, I encourage you to check out my new guide, the No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife and Getting Back What Matters Most. In the guide, I cover the three core principles that have helped me to become a better man, husband, father, provider, and athlete. At 48, I've been able to simplify my life, reduce stress and anxiety, perform at a higher level, earn more, be happier, and have more fun. I wanted to share not just my why, but my how with all of you. So to get your free copy, go to midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide, or follow me on Instagram at Greg Scheinman, where there's a link to the guide in my bio. You know, what's also interesting is you talk about turning a hobby into a profession, you know? And there's always a lot of chatter out there of, you know, follow your passion or quit your job or go do one in there too. Um, turning a hobby into a profession does a, can, can do a few things. It can, one, I tried it. I owned a gym, you know, for a while too. Um, it can turn something you love, you know, into a job, into a business, because any business you run in a job, it's work. There's no doubt. Or you can bridge the two really together and your love can maybe get stronger you know, for it and you can capitalize on it and go, wow, this is no longer a job. This is a career. This is fulfilling. This is, this is what I wanted. Um, and you've made some moves you know, there too, from being affiliated with other places, going out on your, out on your own you know, and taking that love and hobby into a full-fledged profession. What advice would you give for those guys that are maybe at that job 
it's not so great. You know, they have this hobby or these things that they're passionate about. They haven't pulled the trigger on it. They don't know whether they should. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one, do it a hundred percent. Life is too short to be working for somebody else, making the money, doing something that you hate. So 100% today, quit your fucking job, follow your dreams. However, and this is where the butt comes in. One, be prepared to work a lot harder than you think at it. Not everybody gets to be paid for exercise. Not everybody gets to be paid for scrapbooking, for basketball, for music, for you've got to really put effort in. You're not just going to quit and you got to build it yourself. So you need to work for it. That's number one. Number two, be prepared to sacrifice in other areas of your life because your passion project may not pay the bills like other things will. So you've got to be prepared in order to do what you love. You might have to live in your gym. You might have to live in an apartment you don't like. You may have to drive a car you don't like in order to drive that passion project because you're not working for a paycheck anymore. Your paycheck is love. Mm. What is your relationship with money? Mm? Uh, I don't know. I, you know, that's an interesting question. Uh, I want more of it, but I don't want to be like the people I hate who have money. Do you know what I mean by that? And there are people who, um, I'll reference Andy Frisella. I love the guy. I think he's great. He speaks his mind. He's authentic to the core. He's a kind human being. I've seen him interact with people. He gets the Bobby Maximus stamp of approval through and through. Andy loves cars and he's got some really nice cars, but he buys them because he loves cars. And I love that about him. There's another type of person though. The person that doesn't give a shit about cars, but they buy the Ferrari just to show off, just to feel better than people, just to, that's the type of person with money that I don't like. So in some ways, I have a chip on my shoulder with people with money, but they're those type of people. And I want to be very clear on what that difference is. You understand what I'm saying? I, I do. Um, to then, how do you make your decisions on the brands that you partner with, the things and the people you support? You just mentioned the Bobby Maximus, you know, stamp and seal, seal of approval there. Do you yes. have a process of how you let things or people are in, you know? Yeah. Kind of- the number one thing for me is authenticity within their brand. So I'll reference first form again. Andy is a really authentic guy. Sal is a really authentic guy. Jason Kane is a really authentic guy. The people I've worked with from first form are really authentic people. So I love their authenticity and who they are as people first. That's the number one thing for me. Second, does that transfer over to their product? And I will tell you, their product is second to none. Like they are serious about putting out good stuff. And then the third is monetary compensation. Provided those first two things are met, then money becomes important. And so I feel the same way about 10,000. They make the best menswear going. 
The people that work there are incredible people. They stand behind their product. They're good human beings. Everything's in line. Then the monetary compensation becomes important. So every company that I work with, whether it's Lalo Tactical, First Forum, 10,000 VRB Labs, Earn Your Boost, they've got those things in common. And I can guarantee you, I can stick the owners of First Forum, Lalo, 10,000, VRB in a room, and they would all get along and respect each other because they're all good people. Mm. That looked like a fun weekend at 10,000. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was really fun. Mm. What gets you out of your comfort zone? Like, did I, did I see that correctly? Does climbing get you out of your comfort zone? I hate heights, snakes, and water. (laughs) Those three things. What is it? Heights, snakes, and water. I don't, I don't want to be on heights. I don't want to deal with snakes. And if I can't see my toes, I don't go in the water. <laughs> okay. So there are things. Every yeah. superhero's got, got something. Yeah, <laughs> I can't see my toes. I'm out. I think everything that touches my leg is a shark. Do you turn it off at all? I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a big presence. You're a big guy. You're a big presence. You got two lifts a day. You got, you know, being the dad, you know, all day long, you've got the husband, you've got, I mean, do you shut it down at all? Do you need time to decompress where, Hey, I'm not posting today. Or is there ever a day that you, you don't lift, you know, or you hit a wall? No, I don't need to turn it off because I'm living like my authentic self. Do you know what I'm saying? So if, if, if I didn't do this for work, like it's actually funny. Someone was talking to me about this the other day don't you ever take a day off? I'm like, why would I take a day off from a life I love? So if I worked at Goldman Sachs, working at a desk all day in a job I hate, no offense to Goldman Sachs. There are people that love working there. That's great for them, but it ain't for me. If I was working seven to seven, I would still want to work out twice a day because I love it. So no, I don't really take days off working out because I absolutely love it. If I had two weeks off where I had to do nothing, I would still want to work out. Now, Instagram. I fucking love Instagram. Hate me for it. Get mad at me. Whatever. I love it. Do you know, uh, are people going to get a video of this? Um, no, we're, we're recording it. They'll make see an audiogram, like a little clip of it, but not probably not the whole thing. Okay, because I was, I was just going to show you here, and people at home can't necessarily see this. But they can't show it to me. Look at this baby sleeping on this dog. That shit, man, that makes me happy seeing that. You know what I'm saying? Or um, something like, uh, let me see another one. Do you like Jadakiss? I do. Yes. Did you watch this versus? I have not, no. <laughs> it's so good. My sports, I consume a lot of sports through social media. So I love, those are just a few examples, but I love memes. I love funny stuff on the internet. I love laughing. I love the creativity. Like if you didn't have to do Instagram for your job, because it's a portion of your job too, would you be on it all day? And the answer is hell yes, I would. So like I actually enjoy it. So even if I have a day off, maybe I wouldn't post as much, 
maybe I wouldn't storyboard as much, but you're damn straight. I would still want to take a picture of a delicious chicken sandwich that I'd want to share with the world. So like, I, 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 I love doing that. Um, I love being with my kids. So I don't really need to turn that off. Nothing drives me more crazy than these fucking weak ass parents that were like, I'm mommed out. I need a break. I'm dead. You don't get to have a fucking break. You're a parent. I love hanging out with my kids. You know what I'm saying? Um, I do, I love- especially as they get older, not, not to cut you yeah. off. You, you think about every you know minute and all the cliches are true about how quickly it goes and all that. And you want them to keep evolving and growing and doing, as I said, I sent mine off to the first day of school today. They're fucking driving themselves. It's like, wait a minute, what happened to the car time that I used to love or all the play time? You know, you want to hold on to all of it. Yeah. What happened? I, I, so I, I love being with the kids and I'm glad that you said that. I love having a sauna. Like most people look, they, you know, they need a sauna and the, the, the you know, so not need a sauna, I should say they want to have a sauna. It's like going for a spa day. So like sometimes I feel for a second, oh my God, I got to have a sauna. What do you mean? I have to have a sauna. I've got a spa in my fucking basement. I don't have to do anything. Like this is fun. I would have sauna every day just because like I like what I do. You know what I'm saying? And so I don't really turn it off. Now, there are things that you don't see me do on my Instagram. So for example, actually I post about it. I lied. I love the show power. Oh my God. It's so good. Courtney Kemp, 50 cent, this new power raising Canaan. It's fucking unreal. Uh, uh, Patina Miller, the lead actress in it is, is unreal. London Brown is one of my favorite actors. He was cousin Reggie and ballers. He plays uncle Marvin. This show is good. So I'll post about it in my stories. Like that's my downtime. I'm watching it. Like, so everything you see is like who I am. And so, no, I don't need downtime from my life. The you know, it, lets only, in, which is, it lets people in. It's back to the authenticity that you yeah. talk. I find this funny. I find this amusing. This is educational. You know, this is something that happened. Yeah. And it humanizes it, the, whole, the whole package. It humanizes everything. I'll tell you the only caveat to that. Depending when you get me, the volume level is lower or higher. So sometimes when I'm in the gym, I'm a little more animated, a little more shit talking goes on. I have a little more energy because I'm human. So maybe the volume level is like a eight or a nine. And then some days it's like the volume level is more a three or a four, but it's exactly who I am. And I learned a long time ago that if you're going to be fake, it's going to come to light because you don't have the energy to be fake 24 seven. Yep. I might as well be who I am. It doesn't take energy for my volume level to go up or down. Yep. Do you know what I mean? In fact, my volume level is a, at that point, a reaction to my energy. Like I had a bad night's sleep or a good night's sleep, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm always kind of the same dude. So within the framework of this, that, that we're not changing, we know who we are, you know, you're doing, have you made certain modifications to the way you, again, the way you train, the way you recover, the way you, based on, again, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, so on and so forth, okay? What's sustainable? Thinking about longevity. Are you making modifications and thinking you know, thinking short-term, long-term? You know, how am I going to be able to keep doing what I'm doing, looking the way I am, monetizing all these things? 
So there's two ways to answer that. One, I was pointing to my little dude walking by. One, I've become unapologetic about how I run my business and my life. And I learned this from DJ Khaled. If my kid's not welcome, I'm not welcome. So fuck off. Like you, he brings Assad everywhere. He brings him to the Grammys. He brings them to the, do you know what I mean? So like I tell people flat out, I'm a dad. I'm a full-time dad. I'm, I'm with the kids a lot of the day. You want to record me with a podcast? My kids might be in the background. You don't like it? I'm not the guest for you. So that's one of the modifications I've made to be able to live my life. Another modification is if you expect me to dress a certain way to go to your event, I'm not fucking going. Like, I just don't need to. I like my stuff. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not wearing some outfit for you so you feel better about yourself. You see what I'm saying? So I've become unapologetic about what I do. When I host seminars, I'm very clear. My kids might be there. If you don't like kids or pets, this ain't the gym for you. This ain't the certification for you. So I just learned to do that. And that has saved me so much mental energy. Like I've just learned to say no or to ask for what I want. And I'm not mad at you if you don't want to do it anymore. Like if you're like, hey, Rob, can you be on the podcast? Would love to. You need to be in a quiet place with no kids. I can't do it. You're like, well, I can't have you on the show. We're still good. We can still have a chicken sandwich when you're in town. We're all right. Like it's just, I've learned to be unapologetic about that. And then number two, I have learned that I need to prioritize myself above everything else, which means I'm getting eight to nine hours of sleep a night, whether you like it or not. I'm not staying up 12 to go to your party because you like staying up late. Like I, I can't remember the last time I saw a New Year's. Sorry. Like I just don't need to stay up that late. You understand what I'm saying? Um, I don't need to eat something to make you feel better about yourself. Like you can't drink alone. So you expect me to have a drink or you can't eat a dessert alone. So you expect, so I've just learned to like take care of myself better in that regard. And the big things are if I'm having a sauna every day, if I'm in the boots, if I'm sleeping every day, if I'm doing some meditation or stress relief, I'm firing on all cylinders and I don't have to alter stuff that much. Mm -hmm. It's when that stuff starts slipping, it becomes an issue. What's the Maximus uh, husband and wife dynamic? I mean, I, I can't, it, that's hard to answer. Like I, I, uh, I think it's no different than anybody else's marriage, to be honest with you. Like uh, people, people have a, have a hard time understanding that a marriage is a long-term partnership and there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, there's going to be great days, there's going to be difficult days. Not every day is an episode of The Bachelorette in paradise with roses and fucking flowers. And your relationship changes over time, right? When the kids are young, and you went through this, I'm sure. When the kids are young and they're not sleeping, it can be difficult. You know what I'm saying? When the kids are out of the house, you'd think that's your dream. But now all of a sudden you have all this extra time on your hands and you have to rediscover yourself and you're not the same people that you were when you got married. So like, I think it's just an evolving partnership and, 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 and that's the important thing. And as long as there is a, I guess, a, 
what's the word I'm looking for? A, a, an environment or an atmosphere of self-respect. Things like a mutual respect, sure, and understanding. Mutual, mutual respect, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep, it, it does. Hey, what's a question or a topic that nobody ever asks you that you're like, I wish either somebody would ask me about this or I can't believe nobody's ever asked me about this? You know, I I would have said basketball, but now I've got my new my new my new friends. So I've trained a bunch of NBA guys. Uh, I love basketball. I'm like a super fan. Um, I was going to actually point my laptop around. There's all kinds of you can actually see some sports memorabilia in the background yep. here. But I love sports and things like that. Um, so basketball will be one. Like, what do you think about the Lakers this season? What do you? But I have that opportunity now because I do a live a lot of days with Ryan Hollins and uh, Brendan Haywood and um, Scott Gallagher. So I get my fill of that. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I'm on with Clipper Daryl. It's pretty fun. So I love when people ask me about sports. I wish they'd ask me more about the show Power. Like, I can't even tell you because it will spoil it if you haven't seen the series. But, like, that's the stuff I I, I want to talk about. Fun things. People are always like, what's the one food that I have to eat to what? And like a, a lot of times my answer is, dude, you haven't fucking ate healthy in three years. There's not one food that's going to help you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you're like, you're coming to me. You're like, Bobby, I love your workout programs. Like what's the best progression to get strong on bench press? Greg, you, you worked out twice last week. How about you fuck off? Like I just, <laughs> I, I wish people would just ask me about real shit. Like what's your favorite What's your favorite NBA team? What do you think about this trade? What do you think about this show? What do you think about this song? Because I post a lot about it. I I post a lot about music. I post about sports. I post about, if you watch my stories, you'll see it. I mean, it's always there. I mean, your song stories are great, but I mean, the soundtracks that you train to. Yeah, ask me that. Like, why do you like, why do you like, you know, like like a good question would be like, why the hell are you so into reggae and dance hall? Well, I mean, there's a fucking story there. I could tell you, but people just want to know, well, well, I get a better bench. But you know what? I can't be mad at that for real because it just, it, it means I'm pretty good at what I do. So I can't get mad at that. Yep. I, I look, I love the stories behind the stories. I love the willingness to be transparent and put them all out there and, and let people in. I, I can see the obvious of like, hey, this is where we're going to go because this is what this guy does, you know, every day. But, you know, what I, what I really appreciate is going a little deeper, you know, talking about family, talking about finance, talking about the foods, you know, in a, in a different way, talking about the fun, you know, really like bringing the human element to it. Because like you said, like you could give somebody a key to the gym. They, they may not want to go. Like they're not going to use it. Like they need somebody like to pull. So they want to be there. They want to be next to the people. The food tastes better. I think when you know who cooked it, you know, like when you can be in that gym with somebody that you look at and you're like, fuck, like I'm having a good time, you know, in here, mm-hmm. I'm making some progress. I'm making myself better, but I'm, also, I'm having a good time. And we have choices in that. So I do real. I really appreciate you. You giving us a glimpse, you know, into a lot of that. I absolutely love, you know, that the kids are involved. And that they should be walking by. I think maybe it was a Captain America shield. I don't know. Or something going on. Like oh, yeah, they, built, they built like a giant Captain America replica out of cardboard. It's actually like, I'm shocked they were able to do it. It's pretty incredible. Like, <laughs> Holy shit. You guys, you guys should like sell shit at the, at the, at the, at the farmer's market or something. <laughs> I just, I think it's great. The, the notion that again, look, 
we are all doing the best we can, living the lives that, that we can. I think there's a number of takeaways from this in terms of structure, creating free space, you know, and flex, making sure you finish what you're supposed to do. Reward yourself with that Hennessy or Don Julio, quality over quantity, and just yeah, just sake of shit, you know, just plan a bit. You know what I mean? I'll tell you one tip to leave this podcast on. Single thing, not the single thing, because I hate single things. But one of the things that's really changed my life is I take five minutes at night now and I just map out what's going to happen the next day. And it's shocking how much it's helped me. Do you know what I mean? Because then like stuff just doesn't happen. And then I don't feel at the end of the day, like I didn't get enough work done and I didn't spend time with my kids and I didn't do what I needed to do. So I take the night before, take five minutes and I say, what does tomorrow look like? What time am I going to train? What time am I going to hang with kids? Because you get caught in this world and I hear moms complain about this a lot. Dads too, although dads generally have the kids less. I realize I'm involved a lot more with my kids than most dads. But it's this, I never get to spend quality time with the kids. I'm like, what do you mean? You spent five hours with them. What do you mean you didn't? It's because while you were spending time with them, you were trying to do X, Y, and Z. You see what I'm saying? Or I didn't have enough time to get my Instagram done. I'm like, how the fuck didn't you have time to post? Because you didn't plan. So by taking the time the day before, map it out. Like I can tell you right now, my kid has a birthday party at 530. Not his birthday, one of his friends. So I thought about that last night. Okay, how's that going to affect my workout? How's it going to affect my work? How's it going to affect? And I just made allowances for it. And just thinking about it has made my day great. Got to have a purpose and got to have a plan. That's it. And just think about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You don't don't have to overcomplicate it, you know, past that. I, I call it, you run your day. Don't let the day run you. Pretty simple. Bobby Maximus, thank you so much for all your time today. We pretty much we got to know where to find you. I mean, it's not, where do you want people to find you? Where are you most engaged? Um, so there's, there's, no. there's, there's two basic ways. One, just type Bobby Maximus into anything. Like, remember the days of like websites? I don't think people go to websites anymore. Yeah. Just, you go to Twitter, just search Bobby Maximus. You go to Google Search Bobby Maximus. You go, you'll find all the things. The second way, and this needs to be used with extreme caution because you probably aren't going to like what happens. At midnight, turn the lights off in the bathroom and look in the mirror and say Bobby Maximus five times. (laughs) I just can't, if that happens, I can't guarantee your personal safety. And there it is. The man himself. Thank you so much for for spending time with us. I really appreciate it. Big fan, personally, professionally, admire everything that you're all about. And and just enjoyed this immensely. So thank you. If there's any way I can return the favor, man, you just let me know. We got to get you in some 10,000 gear. I've seen you wearing some other gear and it is not Bobby (laughs) Maximus proof. So we're going to get you over to the, the, the side of the right 
<laughs> hey, I, I, I hear you on, on all of that stuff. Listen, if you guys out there also, if you like what you're hearing on the Midlife Mail podcast, men like Bobby Maximus coming on, please give us that five-star rating. Leave us that great review. Link to subscribe to the show and the weekly newsletter every week and keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. Mm-hmm.